Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. As we're ending this year and we're starting a new year, I, I've always loved the, this idea of just these break points in our life that give us the opportunity to kind of reset things. And so as we're ending this year and starting the new year, I want to talk to you about starting something that's worth finishing, starting something that's worth finishing. Our text today is going to be Philippians chapter one, verse six. And uh, here's what it says. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you shall perform it or carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to read that again. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. I just ask you to take this word and just minister it to everybody, every family member, every person who is a part of our worship experience this morning and whoever would watch it later uh, as well, God. Anybody who watches it at any time, that this will minister to them, that this will strengthen them. And I pray for those who are gathering with us right now in worship. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will that you will strengthen and empower them and help them to participate and engage in what we're going to talk about. Because I believe, Heavenly Father, that the things we'll talk about, these biblical principles today, will really make a revolutionary difference in our lives spiritually and physically and relationally and and in all things uh, because it's based on your word. And Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. And Lord, we, we thank you for the year you have given us. And Lord, we pray that your victory will come through in the year that we are about to enter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So finishing what you start or starting something that's worth finishing. I remember when my daughter Taylor, who is now almost 30, was in junior high school. Now, Taylor, when she was really young, she played basketball, like when she was uh, on like maybe early elementary. And she was pretty good, actually. Very coordinated, could play the sport. She understood it. Uh, she was a little bit too compassionate to the other team. We, I remember one time when they were playing another team and Janae and I were sitting in the stands, we're cheering her on. And she had noticed that there was one little girl on the other team that had never gotten to shoot the ball the whole game. And the game was running down and time was almost up. And so Taylor grabs the rebound and instead of going to the other end of the court and shooting it, she, she hands the ball to the little girl. So she shoots it and scores for the other team. This is just who Taylor is. And I, I felt so horrible because we're up in the stand saying, do not give that ball to the other team. But she just couldn't help herself. That's just the kind of person she was. Well, she, she stopped playing after a while because she really didn't feel like she wanted to compete in that way. And she had so many other talents and doing so many other things. And so we said, it's fine. You don't have to continue to play if you don't want. And so after that season was over, she didn't play basketball anymore. But all of a sudden, when she was starting, Starting junior high school, she got it in her head, I'm going to play basketball. And I think she had made some friends that played basketball, maybe played basketball or whatever. So she she decides she's going to play. And so we went out and bought her brand new shoes. And I'm like, all the time, I'm saying, look, you're going to play. If we get, if we spend all this money on all this stuff, 
you're going to play. And she's like, I'm going to play, Dad. I want to play. I'm asking you if I could play. I said, okay. All right. Well, I had some knowledge that she didn't necessarily have. And that is this, that all those girls who had been playing from early elementary still playing. And they'd been playing that whole time. And Taylor Hatton, and they understood that the rigor was different at this level than it was at the level she had last played. And so I wanted to make sure she really wanted to finish what she was going to start. Well, I told her, so I made this rule. If you start this, you have to finish it. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> I'll never forget the day we took her to the first practice. And I'm telling you, it was hard. And we just left her there and we went and did some things. And then we came back. And when she came out of that gym, she, <laughs> she was already shaking her head no like this. And she stomped over to the car and she got in the car. The first thing she said is, you're not going to make me keep doing this. <laughs> And she just quit. She said, no, I can't do it. It's too much. I'm not ready. I'm not as good as those girls. I haven't practiced enough. I don't have, I'm not in shape like that. And she said, you can't make me do the, keep doing this. And she could hear me in her head saying, if you start this, you're going to finish it. And of course we knew that it wasn't the right thing for her to begin with. And so we said, you only had one practice. You can, you can, uh, you can stop. And so she decided to back out of that. And then she pursued her dreams in music and so on and so forth. And so uh, I say all that to say it's really unfortunate for a lot of us in life that we start things, but we don't finish. And many times we do that because we don't value them enough. And I really think that, especially in our spiritual walk, we sometimes say, well, hey, I'm really going to get serious and, and spiritual. I'm really going to read the Bible or I'm really going to uh, pray. Or, I'm really going to ask God, uh, you know, to help me walk in faith and all this. And it's kind of like what we do when we set, you know, those commitments to go to the gym. We, we do it till about March and then gym attendance really kind of slacks off because people just get tired of it and they, they it was too hard. It was harder than they wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. So I think sometimes we don't finish. And, and Paul, the apostle, is teaching us something here very strong, very strong. And he says this, look, we're confident of this thing, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. Here's the awesome thing about serving Jesus, that when we commit ourselves to Jesus, he commits himself to us. And so when we need to finish, when we need to walk this out, when we need to live this life like it's supposed to be lived, when we need to be that disciple that he's called us to be, it's not just our power we're operating in, it's his power. It's his ability. Paul said, I believe that what I've committed, what, what I've committed to him, he's going he's gonna to hold fast. And he who begun this in me, the, 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 the God who saw me and chose me and decided to pull me into his family, this same father is going to help me complete this. And so we're not in this by ourselves. We are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I love to finish, as we were talking earlier, I love to finish an old year and start a new year. And in a way, it's like an opportunity to wipe the slate clean. You can learn from the negatives of the past year. You can dream about the hope of the future. And then you can launch yourself again into your dreams and passions that God's given you. And you can do it with purpose and intentionality. And the truth is, as believers, we know God has a dream for us. We know that he desires that we follow his ways and his will and his word. 
and he, he wants to lead us by the Holy Spirit. We're aware of this. We've read it in the Bible. We've studied it as a church. We've heard our pastors teach us this. And so we know that this is, this is a reality, that God created us and he wants to redeem what he created and put it to work in the kingdom. And so I love that scripture, Romans 8, 28. In, in reading from the NIV, it says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God, God is working things together in our life, but who's he doing that for? Who's he doing that for? That, that's not a blanket statement. And I know sometimes we take scriptures and we just make them, we speak them and we say them blanketly like they're no more than a colloquialism that we use in everyday life. We speak them like maybe they're a quote we heard some great athletes say. We speak them like they're something we read out of a leader's book. But it's more than that. The word of God is a transformative word that came straight from the voice of God through the heart of men who wrote it to us so that we could live by it and be renewed by it and grow by it. So when when he says uh, uh, that all things work together uh, for good to them, we need to know who them are. And here's what it says. It says them who are who love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, people who have submitted to the purpose and the will of God. People who have said, I love you, which, which in kingdom vernacular just simply means I lay my life down for you. And so we say in, the, in, in, in our commitment to God, we return what he did for us. He laid his life down for us. So we surrender our life to him. And we say, God, I know you're going to make my life better than I would make it. And I also know that that doesn't even matter, that you want to me to live in the way that you called and created me to live. And I'm willing to do that. I want to do that. So at the end of each year, we can take stock and we can ask ourselves, am I in that context? Am I one of them? It's not just for everybody everywhere. All things are going to work together for good to, to everyone. No, it's to them who are called, who love God and are called according to his purpose. So you, if you are a believer, you, if you're a disciple, a person who's asked you to come into your life and you've committed to follow him, that's you. The question is, are you following that purpose? Are you living that purpose out every day? So each, each end of the year, at the year's end, we can take stock of how last year went. And I highly recommend this. Now, I know that, I know that most of us are busy. And I know that many of us are going to, we're going to keep, we're just going to take our busy from 2023 and we're going to just carry it over into 2024. And instead of taking some moments in this couple of weeks, in this transition, these holiday moments to get by ourselves and to think and to process and to pray, many of us are just going to busy ourselves right into 2024 without even thinking about it. And we're not going to take those moments and, and we're going to continue to be busy, not good, busy, but bad, busy all year in 2024. And many of the valuable things that could happen in our life aren't going to happen because we're so busy doing things that aren't valuable. And so I just want to challenge you. I'm begging you. You know, I believe like C.S. Lewis says that the devil doesn't need to make us bad. He just needs to make us busy. 
And, and the truth is, if we get our life so busy about things, and we talked about this so many times, and I know you've heard me talk about it, and you probably say, man, I wish Pastor David stopped saying that. But you know what? I'm probably never going to stop saying it because it is a problem. Do you know this is being talked about not just in church circles and in morality circles and spiritual circles. This is being talked about in business circles and entrepreneurial circles that people have gotten addicted to busyness and not purposeful, intentional, significant busyness, but just going 90 to nothing over things that really in the long run aren't going to make a lot of difference. And so I'm begging you as your pastor Listen to what I'm going to tell you and then take the challenge that I'm going to give you. It's, it's the, like the first step to a challenge we're going to make next week and you're going to be a part of it. And I'm going to expect everybody who calls some at church home to be a part of it. But here's what I recommend that you do. I want, I want you to find a place and a time that you can sit quietly and contemplate how it went. So this probably means leave your phone somewhere else. Don't be distracted by anything. Just stare out into space, maybe look over uh, look over a field or maybe sit out on your front porch or go at a time where it's real quiet out to the canyon or maybe you're in a different city or different place. Just get some time by yourself, make a time, make sure it's an elongated period of time where you're not going to be distracted and you're not going to be interrupted and sit quietly and contemplate how last year went. I mean, like literally ask yourself, how'd it go? How did the actions of your life align with your values and your priorities? Now, we all make the list, but how did my life, the actual doing of my life, align with the values that I say I have or the priorities that I say I have? I want to be honest with myself and I want to really ask, how did it go? You know, in what ways in what ways did in 2023, did you hit a home run? Like, oh man, I got this. So man, I was, I was on target with my family this year. I was present with my spouse this year, man. Think about that. Think about those areas that you hit a home run and think about how you can continue that. And then, and then just ask yourself in what areas can I improve? What, what areas did I strike out? What, what areas did I not get on base? In what areas did I just fail and think about it and contemplate it. And then look at what mistakes did you make? What mistakes did you make with your family? What mistakes did you make maybe with your friends? What mistakes did you make with your career? Now, before Mr. and Mrs. Holy, before you think you didn't make any, just ask some people around you. I'm sure they'll tell you. You made plenty just like I did. But, but sometimes we never even evaluate. We never even ask ourselves. How can we get better if we never ask ourselves how we did? So what mistakes did you make with your family or friends or career? What can you learn from those mistakes? And that's the most important part of that. You, you, you don't look at all that if you're not willing to stop long enough and ask yourself, what I learned from that? What can I extrapolate from those circumstances and situations that can literally help me be better in 2024? The second thing I want you to do after finding the place and taking the time, write down what needs to remain. So what in your life needs to stay? Like, what did you do right? What were you killing? What were you knocking out the park? What was that? What needs to remain in your life? And then write down um, what needs to change and be honest about it. You know, I heard somebody say the other day, and I totally agree with it. Everybody loves change, except 
when it's them that has to change. We love it. We love change for other people. We, we love it when other people need to change. We love it when our spouse needs to change. We love it when our kids need to change and if they change. But when it comes home to roost at our house, we, we think, well, we, I don't, we don't even look at it. We don't even contemplate it. We don't even see it. So it's important that we really do ask ourselves what needs to remain, what needs to change. And then write down what you can learn. What can you learn from what needs to remain and what needs to change? What can you learn? Then what can you turn? And then what needs to burn? How and what can you change for the better? So I'm going to go through those real quickly. What, what, what can you learn? Well, there's lots of things you can learn. Well, how do I learn them? By asking yourself what went wrong and what could have gone better. By asking other people, uh, how could that have been better? Writing down questions to ask. And then you learn from it. You let it be an education. You know, I always say this, and I think it's true, that failure or mistakes can be a, a nail in the coffin of our dream, or it can be the classroom that you, you set in to get the education you needed to do it right. And so don't let failure or mistakes or the past stop you. Let it help you. So how do I do that? Learn. And then Ask yourself what you can turn. There may be some things that you just have to accept. This is the way they are. But there may be some things you can turn. I can take that negative and I can turn it into a positive. I can take this hardship and I can turn it into a great thing. I can take that obstacle and I can make it an opportunity. What can you learn? What can you turn? And then the last thing is what do you need to burn? You know, the failures, the weaknesses, the, the times you were tempted and you gave in the sin. Once you've repented of those, once you've gotten forgiveness on those, once you've learned everything you can learn, let them go. Burn them out of your life. They no longer have power over you. They no longer should control you. Burn them. So what can you learn? What can you turn? And what can you burn? And then how and what can you change for the better? And the third thing is it is this. Resolve that time, that time where you're by yourself evaluating and contemplating your life and uh, resolve it by coming to a conclusion about it and think about what you want the coming year to look like. What do you want 2024 to be like? When you get to the end of 2024, December of 2024, what do you want to be able to say about your life? What do you want to be able to say about that year? How did it go? Was it great? Did you make some positive changes? Did you achieve some things you wanted to achieve? Were you right in the zone with God the whole time? Did you disciple others? You know, what is it you want to be able to say at the end of 2024 about your life? But in order to do that, you have to come to some conclusions. You know, in Ecclesiastes, that's what Solomon did. He tried all these things to fulfill him and satisfy him. He tried all these things to figure out what's the purpose of life. And when he came down to it, here's the words he used. In the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, he said this, I have come to this conclusion that the purpose of man is to obey the word of God or hear the word of God, fear God, hear his words and obey him. That's it. That's what it comes down to. He had to go through all this learning and education to figure out this is what it comes down to. This is the conclusion. Well, if we don't make some conclusions, then we can't take steps of action. So what do you want your year to look like personally, family, spiritually, 
and in your career? What do you want it to look like at the end of 2024? What do you want to be able to say you achieved or what happened? Or what do you not, what do you not want to regret? The second thing is, what is it going to take to achieve that? What are you going to have to do? Sit down and think about it. Process it. Um, The next thing is, what does your evaluation of this last year say about where you are as compared to where you want to be? If you say, this is where I want to be at 2024, then you have to know where you really are, honestly, at the end of 2023 and ask yourself, what's it going to take and, and, and what's the distance between here and there? And then ask this question, are you willing to do what it takes to get there? Are you willing to do what it takes to have the family that you want? Are you willing to do what it takes to have the relationship with God that you want? Are you willing to do what it takes to achieve the dreams that God's put in your heart? Are you really willing to do what it takes to have the family dynamic and the career dynamic that you want in your life? And then you might ask yourself, what obstacles stand in my way? And how can I turn those into opportunities? Like literally really think of that. I know myself, this is going to be an obstacle. That's going to be an obstacle. What can I do to change it? And then the last thing you want to ask is this, what am I not willing to do? What am I not willing to do? What lines am I not going to cross? What compromises will I not make in order to achieve a dream? In other words, I'm not going to give up one of my other values for this value. I'm not going to give up one of my convictions for this opportunity. There are certain lines I just won't cross. So how do we start the year strong? If if that's the way we're going to end the year by contemplation and going through that and, and having those moments of evaluation and and and, and creating this, this place of launching, uh, uh man, let's not let let's not let the end of the year be a crash site. Let's let it be a launching pad into next year. So here's some questions you might ask. How do we start the year strong? And here's how you do it. You do it by starting something that's worth finishing. What's worth your time? You know, time is your greatest commodity. It's not money that's the greatest commodity. It's time. Everybody has the same amount of time, but people who walk in more purpose and do things that are that they achieve more, and they're, they're people who use that time different than everybody else. So what is worth your time? What's not worth your time? What's truly important to you? What's not important to you? What are you normally involved in that you treat like it's important, but it's not really important? What are your values? When it comes down to it, what is most valuable to you? I love what Marshall Falk said. He said this, if you're going to start something, if it's worth starting, then it's worth finishing. So here I want to share with you four things that make it hard to start something worth finishing. Number one, a lack of vision. We have to have vision. You know, the Bible says that without, in Proverbs, the Bible says without vision, uh, we perish without vision. Uh, that, that, That when we don't know where we're going, we cast off restraint. In other words, we, we are not disciplined. We're not focused. We just go in whatever direction. We don't act on life. Life acts on us. So it's, it's important that we have vision. And, and what keeps us from starting something that's worth finishing is a lack of vision. 
And what that looks like is this. We don't have clarity about where we're going. Uh, you might ask yourself, am I indecisive about where I'm going? You know, the Bible says in James that that's something we never want to be. We never want to be that person who is, is between two minds. He, he said, he said um, that, that you know, if, if you want wisdom, you should ask for it and you should allow God to give you that wisdom but you can't be double-minded. You, you, can't, you can't ask God for things and then not believe that he wants to do that for you. And he said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's where instability comes from. It's this two-mindedness. That word double-minded in the, the Greek is the word schizo. It's where we derive the word schizophrenic from. And it literally means to be of two minds. What we need to do is be those kind of people that have such clear vision, such clarity, that we're not indecisive, but we're decisive because we know where it is we're going. And we don't want this thing that we're starting to not finish well. And we know that a lack of clarity and a lack of vision will keep us from making it. And the second thing is the lack of commitment. The lack of commitment. The, the next thing that'll keep you from starting something that's worth finishing is a lack of commitment. You know, I think this is a, a lot of times what we leave out of the gospel message. Um, and I think we leave it out because we're afraid that somehow it's going to be misconstrued as um, works, getting salvation by your works, but not at all. Because if we were to take commitment out of the gospel, then we're taking discipleship out of the gospel. And we know full well that Jesus called us to be disciples. And the life of a disciple is a committed life. It's a, it's a life that's committed to following Jesus no matter what. Committed to sacrifice to follow Jesus. Committed to take the challenge to follow Jesus. And so uh, commitment is a very important part. And when we have a lack of commitment, it's hard for us to start something that's worth finishing. Oh, we'll start a lot of things, but we either won't finish them or they're not things that would really be worth finishing. We're just starting them because we need something to do or we're filling our time up. And so what we need to do is understand commitment is very important. It's important to the kingdom of God. You know, we, we are saved by grace through faith, lest any man should boast and say, I saved myself. But when we are saved, the Bible says in that very same scripture in Galatians chapter 2, or Ephesians chapter 2, it says we're saved unto good works. So once we're saved and we give our life to Jesus, there is a commitment to follow him in all the things that he's called us to. In other words, a lack of commitment looks like this. We haven't determined what is highest value for us yet. Because here's the truth about people. We commit to what we view as the highest value. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you here. We can all say, every one of us can say, God is of highest value to me. But I think we can all be honest and say every day of our life doesn't look like that. That it looks like we're the highest value or our kids are the highest value or our money is the highest value or our home and possessions is the highest value. That's really, if we want to be honest, how our life can look. Our friends are highest value. Our activities are highest value. But the truth is we need to commit, be committed to what is our highest value. And if we say that God is, is our highest value, then our life should align 
with that. And that's what makes us able to start something that's worth finishing. Why? Because we're doing what is truly valuable and not just doing what is available. And there's a big difference. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says this in the New International Version. It says, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted in some translations say committed to him until that day. So Paul is saying, look, I've made a major commitment to God and I know his power is able to keep that commitment, to guard that commitment, to help me engage with that commitment and finish strong. And remember the person who wrote this, the apostle Paul is the one who wrote in Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I've ran, I've kept the faith. I've ran the race. He's saying, I finish strong. So the third thing is this, it's a lack of focus. The third thing that'll keep us from starting something worth finishing is a lack of focus. Being easily distracted. Um, the lack of spiritual, personal, family, or career clarity. In other words, what is most valuable to us is in focus. We can see it. We know what it is. We know what it looks like. We know what it takes, and we are willing to do it. Philippians chapter three, verse 12 through 14 says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. It's time for us as, as humans to say, you know what, my focus is going to be on God because I know that where my focus is, 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 is where my, the, my energy will carry me through to. If I'm focused, if I'm distracted by this and that, I'm not going to keep the commitment that I have to the highest value. So number four and last thing, the lack of intentionality. You see, I think that most of us, most of the time, we don't act on life. Life acts on us. I really believe that. I believe that most of the time we're just reacting to what's in front of us. Most of the time, you know, we're, we're working with our kids' schedules and we're, they're doing everything and we're just trying to keep up. Most of the time we, we take whatever comes and we deal with it as it comes, but we're not really thinking about life in terms of starting with what God says and what his purpose is for us and then acting on that. Like, I know God wants me to be this person, so I'm going. that's what I'm going to do. I know God wants me to do this thing, so that's what I'm going to do. Well, if you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Exactly. And in order for me to live full on for Christ, then there are some things I have to say yes to, and there are some things I have to say no to. And if I'm really going to be that committed follower of Christ, if I'm really going to operate and function in those things that are best for my life and best for the life of my family, if I'm really going to be that person who is starting something worth finishing, then I'm going to have to be a person of intentionality. And when we lack intentionality, it keeps us from starting or it makes it difficult to start something worth finishing. In other words, what is intentionality? It's purposefully making decisions and choices in order to fulfill the plan of God for your life and doing those things of highest value. So think about all we're talking about today. It comes down to one thing. We have to do it. 
We have to be proactive. We have to choose to live by our God-given vision, mission, faith, and purpose. We, we can't talk about doing it. We can't just make the idea of doing it. We got to do it. We got to take the step and do it. So where does it start? Well, it starts with a challenge. And, and I want to talk to you about the challenge we're going to make next week. And we're going to explain it all to you, and we're going to ask everybody. And I'm not, So I'm not going to go into the details of everything today. I'm going to go into some of the details, but not all of them. But we're going to ask everybody who calls themselves a, 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 a part of the family of Summit Church, we're going to ask everybody to do this. And, and listen, here's the deal. Even if you're not a part of Summit and you watch us online, do this with us because this is going to help you. So I want to talk to you before I make this challenge to you. I want to talk to you about something called the power of four. You know, we always, and every pastor should, and every church should, be constantly encouraging the people of their church to read the word, to study the word, to pray. It's it's so important. And you say, well, all that's basic. Well, it is basic. It is the it is the front line of our relationship with God. It is the foundation. There's no doubt about that. But it's not just a foundation. It's, it's, it think of it more like what Jesus said when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The father is the husband, husbandman. He's the keeper of the vine. And, 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 and what it, what it explains to us in that is that, look, look, we've got to realize, we have to realize that this is a thing that we remain in. And, and, and if we don't stay connected to the vine, then we don't bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, then we're cast off. That's what the Bible says. And what we don't want is we don't want to be that person who doesn't bear fruit. We want to be that person that stays connected to the vine, who remains in Christ, who remains in his word. How do we do that? We do it by prayer and we do it by studying the word. And it changes and transforms our life. God makes that as a promise to you. Now, now listen to me. God makes that as a promise to you and to your family that if you'll seek his face, if you will pray, if you will study his word, if you will, you know, write about that, journal about that, if you will engage with that, if you will talk about it, it'll transform your life. The Bible is very clear in many places that that's what happens when we really take that seriously and we're genuine with it. Not just religious uh, exercise, but truly, sincerely seeking God. So the, there was a research study done with 400,000 people and 400,000, and it was done over a long period of time. And it was done with people ages eight to 80. And uh, it was done in 24, 25 different nations from people of all walks of life. 400,000, that is a huge sampling. And when this research was done, they came up with some results they weren't even expecting. But here's what they found. They found if you go to church once a week and you hear uh, the preacher preach and you engage with the word that way, that can encourage you, that can build up your life, but very little transforms or very little changes. And then say on top of that, maybe you go to a midweek service or maybe you have a devotional time with just you and God. You sit down, you read a few scriptures or you do a devotional and then you move on. Uh, you do that twice. Not a whole lot changes. Three times, still not a whole lot changes. But there's something about doing it four or more times. 
And they learned this through research. Now, I don't know why four, but here's the facts. If you're a person who engages with the word of God, prays, spends time in prayer, and studies the word, some significant things happen to you. And I want to share those with you. The surprising research findings concluded that someone who reads the Bible, prays, and uses a journal four times or more a week, listen, 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness, 32% less likely to have anger issues, 40% less likely to have bitterness in relationships, 57% less likely to have alcoholism, 59% less likely to view pornography, Uh, 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant, 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage, 74% less likely to to get caught up in gambling. Um, Listen to this, 218% more likely to give financially to causes in addition to their church, 228% more likely to share their faith with others, 231% more likely to disciple someone else, Um, uh, 407% more likely to memorize scripture, and 416% more likely to give financially to their church. Now listen, listen to me. That is a, that, that is a, think about what that's saying, that if we can just get people to read the word, pray, and, and write about it, if we can get that to happen in daily, but at least four times a week, unbelievable things start happening in your life. Are you struggling with some things? This is your answer. This is your solution. Do, do you have people who are struggling with things and you're trying to find solutions and answers and you can't? This is your solution and answer. Is your is your family having a hard time getting along? This is your solution. As your marriage kind of messed up. This is your solution. Are you dependent on other things instead of God? This is your solution. Are you wanting to share your faith more, but you don't have the courage? or This is your solution. I mean, think about that. That's just raw research. Just think about that. That's what was found happens when we get into the word, we pray and we write. So what is the challenge? We're going to ask you to take this challenge together as a family. And and what we're going to ask you to do starting next Sunday is we're going to ask you to commit for a 21-day duration to do this every day. For 21 days, at least, we're going to ask you to do it. Hopefully, it creates a habit in your life, and we all just do it from then on. But for 21 days, we're all going to commit together that every day we're going to do this. We're going to... We're going to read one chapter, just one chapter. We're going to read one chapter. We're going to ruminate over that chapter. And then we're going to ask a question in our journal. And we're going to give you a journal. And we're going to ask you a question in that journal. We're going to ask, what is God saying to me? And then we're going to write what we feel like God is saying to us out of the scripture. And then we're going to pray. And you can write your prayers down. That's what I do. You can write your prayers out or you can just journal what you felt like the Holy Spirit's doing in your life when you pray. But we're just going to ask everybody 21 days every day to do that. So how, how do we do that? Well, here's, here's the, here's the ways I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Joshua said, 
you know, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm giving you a choice between life and death. And then he says, choose life. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to take this challenge, but then now I'm going to tell you how to do it and make it successful. In order for it to most likely be successful for you and you do the 21 days is you have to find a place and a time and make, you got to find a place and a time where you believe that's most likely you will do it every day. Okay. So you're going to find a place and a time and, and you're going to, with the thought in mind, I will succeed if I stick to this. The next thing is we're going to ask you to read one chapter in the book of John. Because the book of John has 21 chapters and we're going to do this for 21 days. So we're going to ask you to read that book of John. And then again, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate to you what I just said. We're going to meditate on that chapter and we're going to ask one question and we're going to write down the answer. What is God saying to me? And then you're going to write your prayers down or write what you feel like you're experiencing as you pray. Now I write my prayers down and the reason I do is because it makes my prayers more intentional and I can go back and I can see where God has answered my prayer and I can write in. Anytime I ask God for something, I leave a blank and I can write in what God did and how he answered that prayer. This whole challenge will be explained in detail next week and we're going to give you a journal for every member of your family to use. And we also have an opportunity for those who want to be a part of a Facebook group where we'll discuss daily what God is doing in our lives as we engage in this challenge, if you want to, if you want to be a part. We'll also be giving a certificate of completion to those who complete the challenge, just to say, hey, I did the 21 days. We believe, and I, I'm telling you, I believe, I've been coaching people to do this for a while, and I'm telling you, every single person I'm coaching to do this that sincerely does it, it has a profound effect on their life. So, we believe this is going to create a powerful season in the life of our church and that it'll bring a lot of positive changes for each and every family who leans in and accept this challenge. So let's do this right. Let's start 2024 off right. Let's start something that's worth finishing. Let's align ourselves with the will and purpose of God by taking the challenge God has given us. And let's start something that will not just be worth finishing, but it'll be something that makes a difference in our life, our family's life, the life of our church, and the life of our community. Are you ready for more? Do you want more in 2024? <laughs> Rhymed. Do you want more though? Do you want God to do more for your family, more for your finances, more for your spiritual life, more using you in the purpose that he called you for? Do you want that from God? Do you want to be walking in alignment with him? Well, this is how you do it. These very practical steps today. Do this. Do these things I've challenged you to do. They're scriptural. And then let's launch into 2024 with a vision and a purpose that says we will connect. We will grow and we will go for the kingdom and the purpose of God. This challenge will align your actions this year. It'll align it with true values, priorities, and the good things of God. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I just wanna, I want you to know, I believe in this. And I believe that if you'll take this challenge, it's gonna do big things for your life. I really believe that. Can I pray for you? Father God, I just pray for everyone who's a part of this worship experience today. I pray God that 
like we take challenges in our life all the time, Lord, especially at the beginning of a year. And we just thought, man, this time, let's, let's, let's take a spiritual challenge. Let, let, let's put a spiritual challenge out there and see, see who's, who's going to grab a hold, see who's going to step into it with all their heart, see who's ready to see God do something great and in and through their life in 2024. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you'll help us all to have the strength and the courage to step into the purpose you have for us. God, I pray for you, bless every family of Summit Church. Bless our future, bless the vision you have for us, and bless us as we obey your word and your will and your ways. We thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, and we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.